I actually have six criteria that I use for what a good gift should have. And basically, I'll go really quick through those. The first is the focus. Uh, the focus of the gift has to be on the gift or on the receiver, not the giver. So it's not promo. Second, it's got to be a high quality item that won't break or deteriorate um, or be consumed. It's got to be personalized to the recipient. So something that you could maybe get it engraved with their name on it, get it in their favorite color, whatever it is. Uh, it's got to have deep emotional impact. So obviously, as is, what was it, Zig Ziglar, who people buy emotionally and justify logically. So you got to connect with the emotions. And then five, it's got to have staying power. So it's got to be able to be seen or used regularly so that they think of you. Uh, and it's got to build a connection. So it's got to be delivered with like a handwritten note or like a video text or something like that. So people know it's like actually from you and it's actually designated just for them. You found the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Law Podcast. Jason Muth here along with attorney broker Rory Gill from Next Home Title Town Real Estate Urban Village Legal in Boston. Rory, greetings. Hey, Jason. I just want to let you know that I appreciate all the work that you've done to get that short-term rental that you're sitting in ready. It looks great. Uh, I see what you did right there. So I know. Yeah. We have a guest on today out of Philly, and uh, this is Steve Bazogany. And Steve and, and us, we're all going to talk about uh, client appreciation and retention and keeping your current customers super happy and some ways that he's been able to do that. Steve, is are you the CEO of the Appreciation Advocate? Is that what you you want to that's the rumor. rumor. All right. <laughs> and uh well Steve, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me guys. I'm excited to be here. But before we hit uh record, we we're talking about Philly a little bit. So Steve, tell everyone where you live in Philly. So I'm in the uh northwest section called Maniunk. That's where I live. Maniunk, which is uh, I've been to Maniunk, Rory's been to Maniunk. It's one of the more fun towns it, or it parts is. of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people outside the area probably don't know how to pronounce Maniunk if they see the word. Yeah, they always put the emphasis on the Y-U-N-K. They go, they call it Maniunk. And I'm like, dude, no, it's not how you say it. Actually, the word Maniunk, it's a Native American term. It actually means the place we go to drink, which is awesome. That makes sense because Rory and I bought beer at Maniunk. And I actually went <laughs> I went to a beer festival, God, 20-something years ago in Maniunk. And that was quite a time. Oh, they're uh, awesome. So are you a Philly native? Yeah, I grew up in Northeast Philly. And now I live in Northwest Philly. So I, I'm not hearing the accent yet. Uh, it'll come out. It'll show. Yes. <laughs> I start talking fast. I'll start saying use and water and things like that. Oh, there People. we go. There, water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'll it'll show. It'll, yeah, it'll, I I, I got I got a taste of uh, the Philly accent when I lived in Central Jersey for a couple of years after college, and you know, split my time basically in Philly and New York, and uh, ah, yeah, nice. it's quite a different accent. You know, Philly, Philly people, Philadelphia people don't think New York is too far away, right? No, no. I it mean, it's just literally right up the turn or the I ninety five. So it's like, yeah. Not a big deal. It's like an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. People from New York, and I am originally from New York, we think Philly is a different planet. It is just, it's like, oh, I don't know. It's down there somewhere. <laughs> well, I mean, New York is a, it's a, it's kind of its own planet all by itself. I mean, there's not really any there quite, quite like New York. So it's like, you know, it's almost like when you talk to a New Yorker, it's like, why don't you come down to earth like the rest of us are? So tell us about the appreciation advocate. Uh, the appreciation advocate is basically a company I've started where it helps small businesses 
earn more referrals through giving gifts and showing out in unique ways, showing up in unique ways. And it was just like the way it got started really was because when I started in my real estate career as an agent, I had a really, really hard time just like calling people out of the blue and being like, Hey, can I get more referrals or Hey, are you looking to sell or anything like, and, and, you know, approaching, and this would probably apply really, really well to like insurance salesmen or financial advisors or anybody, or even attorneys. Like you, you don't want to like call through your database and like, just like ask them for business. You feel like you need a shower after this phone call. So it's like, and I really hated it too with real estate. Like, Hey, are you thinking of selling today? Like, yeah, dude, just, just today. I just woke up and decided I needed to sell. Like people don't usually do that. I started doing is I started sending gifts to people to kind of like break the ice almost. And I would say is like, oh, hey, just wanted to let you know how much I appreciate having you in my life and wanted to just call to make sure you got the gift. And then people were like, oh my God. And because it was a nice gift, not like a crap one. It was like, oh, this was super nice. I wasn't expecting it. Thank you for thinking of me. I can't believe you knew that it was my dog's birthday today or whatever the hell the story was. And they were like, and by the way, because they know I'm in real estate, they were like, how's the market? And that, that conversation, that question always gets asked, how's the market? And now that is the organic door open for me to now talk about my business and then they can then react to that and tell me, oh, it's crazy. You know, my sister was just thinking about moving. Fantastic. What's her number? You know, <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. that kind of, and then that's how the conversations got started. So sending the gift kind of opens the door to the conversation, even though it's somebody that you have a relationship with, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes, I mean, not always. Sometimes if like, if I was going to do like a for sale by owner type of situation and I wanted to build a relationship with that person, I might start writing a couple personal notes and then I'll put together a whole gift, I guess, automation for it after a period of two, three months. And then I can reach out to them without any kind of issue and be like, Hey, well, what did you think of the, I wanted to make sure you're getting the gifts I sent you. I saw that you were trying to sell your house by yourself and it's still on the market. And I wanted to make sure you were getting all the uh, items of value I was sending. And they're just like, yeah, okay. No, I haven't sold it yet. Yes, I have been getting them. Who are you? And how do I get you over here to take a look at the house? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Rory, you've uh, you've sold a house or three. What do you think of this <laughs> this process? I this mean, system? It's the whole proposition is seems so simple, and that is you want to maintain relationships with people and you want to show gratitude. But in in effect, it's it's challenging, and I can't say that you know, despite my business, this is something I've done very well and very consistently across the board. Makes perfect sense um, on a couple of fronts. And I can kind of take the next questions in a few different directions, but if we distill it down to just a piece of marketing, even a good gift that cost money is far more effective and a better return on investment than throwing a ton of money at Facebook or Google or these kind of chasing these cold leads. You're really patching up good, solid connections that you already have. So when you talk to people and encourage them to use gift giving as part of the way they show appreciation, how does the cost factor in? The cost is actually, I have a formula for that. And the cost basically comes out to be uh, five to ten percent, and I learned this from John Rulin, who wrote the book Giftology. I actually, uh, it's five to ten percent of your net income is what I use for my gifts. So, if you know, when I close a sale, and it's like, okay, you get it just to keep numbers even. If it's a ten thousand dollar commission, I'm going to reinvest, you know, five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars into that client over the next twelve months because they gave me ten grand to make. They made me ten grand this year, so I want to give back five hundred to a thousand, and then that usually ends up in referrals. Plus, you can do some cool things with. You know, let's say you give them four or five gifts over the course of the year, you know, you can do a lot with 125 bucks or you can do a lot with a hundred bucks or whatever it is. And it's like, wow, these are, you know, it's not just like, 
here's another squishy stress ball with my logo on it that you're just going to throw in the trash the second you get it or whatever the heck it is, or I don't know, whatever other stupid things people give, um, what bottle openers and things like that, that have just nothing but real estate paraphernalia mm-hmm. all over it or a cutting board that's got Remax written all over it. And it's just like, you know, that's not really cool, you know, because it's not about them. And that's, and that's, that's the big thing that where people screw this up and how people quote unquote unintentionally poison their best relationships because the, the unintentional part is you're doing something nice for this person and you think that it's good and it's great. And, and this is one of the anchors of appreciation that I talk about. Um, but it, it's, it's called the false positive because the false positive basically is all gifts get the same feedback. The bad ones get the same feedback as the good ones. Cause no one, when you give people a gift, they're always like, Oh my God, thank you so much. This is this, you shouldn't have. And no one's ever going to say, Hey, you know what? Just so you know, this gift effing sucks. You can take this home, shove it up your, you know what? And like, that's, I'm done with this, Like you're a piece of garbage. I can't believe you would ever give me this. Like no one's going to say that to you. So basically what you do is you just, uh, it's a false positive. So now, but you're reinforced that like, Oh my God, my bad gift was great. I should do that again. So, and then you keep doing it. So you're now unintentionally poisoning all of your best relationships and you're giving like, you know, that $10,000 commission you earned that we talked about earlier and you're giving them a $25 gift card. They're like, what's this guy's problem? Are you serious? Like Mm -hmm. make 10 grand on me. He sent 20 bucks, you know, 25 bucks. They're, they're going to be like, what a cheap ass. Like, I can't believe this guy. Yeah. That's where it comes at. The first kind of category you talked about there are, I don't even count them as gifts. If it has my logo on it. It's not really a gift. It's swag. And maybe I'll ask you if there's a role for swag um, yeah. providing that to people as well. What are other categories of just bad gifts that might poison your relationship with your clients? So I actually have a whole list of bad gifts. I have a bad gift list. <laughs> so the swag, because you just mentioned swag, that's one of the one of the items on there. The problem is what people give, there's promo and there's gifts. Promo is about the giver. Gifts are about the receiver. And when people give promo as a gift, like both have a, a place in business. One is you just have to use them for the right place. It's the, when they mix the roles up and use promo as a gift, that's where you get screwed up because, you know, now it's like about you, but like promo to answer your first part of the question, it, it makes perfect sense. Like if you are at like a trade show and you are promoting yourself, it's fine to use promo. Or if you're at a charity event and you're a sponsor for the event and you're promoting yourself, fine. That's cool. That's whatever. But if you can just, you give gifts as one, you know, making it about the giver. So to answer the second part with the bad gifts, like some people say a, a good gift for a thank you is just like writing, a th- writing an email and saying thank you with an email, which, you know, guys look, a thank you email is nice, but it's not, that's just the end of a transaction. That's not, it's not an actual gesture. Uh, alcohol is a terrible gift in so many different ways. Uh, any kind of food item is a terrible gift because like, I, I'm going to make fun of real estate agents because I am one. I'm allowed to see, and I'm allowed to say these things. So basically the stereotypical real estate agent gift at settlement is a bottle of champagne and maybe like a fruit basket or some kind of crazy, stupid thing like that. So basically what they'll do, one, it makes one impression. You can't stay top of mind with one impression. Two, if it's alcohol, who knows if they're an alcoholic, they have an alcoholic family member, they've been abused by an alcoholic, they have, um, maybe they just don't drink, or worst of all, what if they're like, I don't know, a champagne connoisseur, and they get this this bottle of champagne that you just bought at the store, bottom shelf for 20 bucks, and they're going to think, what a ch- what a piece of crap this guy is for, you know, you got me dirt, dirt champagne. So like, you can screw this gift, that's a million ways to screw that one up. Um, I also say events and experiences that are like taking people out to lunch, expensive steak dinners, NBA games, football games. Like those are as nice as they are. They do at the end of the day, only make one impression. And like the example I use is like, if I was getting interviewed by a marketing company to work there and they said, all right, why should we work here? And I'd be like, well, 
it only cost me like $300 to make one impression. And they'd be like, you can get the F out of here. $300 for one impression. <laughs> We're not hiring your ass. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and that's another one. So flowers are on there. They, they're only like, they last about a week and then they're done. You're not top of mind anymore. And then like we were talking about, my last one is like the swag bags, the promo items, uh, and then gift cards and e-gift cards are just absolute terrible. Nothing says I don't have enough energy to put any time into building a relationship with you better than a gift card. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like the holidays also, like, you know, when you don't know what to get somebody or you forgot a gift, you get a gift card at the grocery store on the way to the party. And then you just give them that gift card. Yeah. December's off limits too. That's the other thing. So because you're trying to stand out, you don't give gifts when everyone else gives gifts. So So, eliminate that. Steve, you're, you're kind of completely blowing my mind right now because I can't think of any gifts to give. Like, what do you give puppies or kittens? (laughs) No, no. I mean, so we, I actually have uh, six criteria that I use for what a good gift should have. And basically I'll go really quick through those. The first is the focus. Uh, the focus of the gift has to be on the give or on the receiver, not the giver. So it's not promo. Second, it's got to be a high quality item that's, that actually just, that won't break or deteriorate um, or be consumed. Uh, it's got to be personalized to the recipient. So something that you could maybe get it engraved with their name on it. Uh, uh, favorite, get their, get it in their favorite color, whatever it is. Uh, it's got to have deep emotional impact. So obviously as, as what was it? Zig Ziglar, who, um, People buy emotionally and justify logically. So you got to connect with the emotions. Uh, and then five, it's got to have staying power. So if it gets, if it stays, it's got to be able to be seen or used regularly so that they think of you. Uh, and it's got to build a connection. So it's got to be delivered with like a handwritten note or like a video text or something like that. So people know it's like actually from you and it's actually designated just for them. Uh, and it's not just some generic thing. So to give you an example, um, Cutco is a great item for this. Like I used to give my clients, you know, scissors. I would give them all a pair of scissors with their last names engraved on the scissors. And, and people love that. And they thought that was fantastic because it stays, it's personalized to them. It's high quality. It's got a lifetime warranty. It's goes with the house. They use it all the time. It's probably, and it's a very high quality item. I, I have scissors that are from Cutco and they're the best scissors I have. I've had them for like eight years. That's one example. I bought people, I bought them instead of uh, champagne at settlement, I would give them uh, a watercolor painting of their house. Again, they can hang it up. They see it every time they walk by. I used to get them cutting boards, but it wasn't about me. It wouldn't have like Keller Williams or Remax inscribed on it. It would actually have the monogram of their last name. Then it would have their actual last name written underneath of it. Then it would have the the address of the house they just bought. And then the date of the house, the date they bought the house. And it was a big 18-inch by 24-inch piece of wood. I mean, it was massive. And so many people would tell me afterwards, like, Steve, this is the greatest housewarming gift ever. And I, I'm not going to use this. I, I It's too beautiful. Like I'm going to hang it up. Like, and it would be like this big centerpiece in their kitchen. And they would think of me subconsciously or consciously every time they walk by that thing in their kitchen, which was probably like 18 to 20 times a day. So that's making, think about that. That might, might be like 50 to a hundred bucks for a cutting board. One, you just made a four or five figure commission. You can afford a 50 to a hundred dollar cutting board. Second, that's a gift that keeps on giving. I'm making an impression 20 times a day, every day forever. Um, versus, you know, bottle of champagne. We call that actually a fart in the wind gift because it's just one impression and, and, <laughs> and, and gone. So yeah. the paintings of the house, my sister, who's actually a realtor in our office, um, does that for her seller clients. Um, when they oh, sold a good. home, especially as they're leaving, it's, you know, a token to remember the house that they just sold by. So hopefully that's a, that's a good gift. Um, it's a I'm good, thinking, yeah, that's good. 
But I'm thinking through some of the ones that you said, and I am guilty. I've given the champagne bottle before. No judgment, and those are either consumed or they're gone now, um, and they're they're forgotten. I want to run a couple gifts by you and get your impression, and be brutally honest if these are no problem. Um, good or bad. I give you the Philly honesty. All right. <laughs> For clients, usually buyer clients, when they're they're moving to a new neighborhood or town, I will go out and seek glassware or you know, I've done pillows, things from that are embroidered with the name of the town or something that's kind of like welcoming them to the town. That's cool. I don't know if glassware is particularly yeah. good or not, um, yeah. but that can chip and yeah. get broken. I do that. I've actually given clients like a past clients after they bought their house, obviously I tell them at settlement, Hey, I come with a house and they know that they're, they expect to hear from me afterwards. So mm -hmm. uh, when I find out that you know, a lot of times they'll buy houses unmarried and then they'll get married later. And I find out when their wedding is and they tell me, oh, we're getting married or I get an invitation or whatever. I actually will buy them champagne flutes with their names engraved on it. And one will say like the date of their of their wedding and it will have, you know, groom his name and bride her name. And that way they'll, it's almost like, and I make sure that they're delivered before the wedding. So they can actually like bring it to the wedding and use them. Uh, so I do that basically. And that's obviously something they'll keep forever. So that, yeah, glassware is great as long as it's got a cool story to it. We'll be right back. Every other real estate rental property deal analysis spreadsheet is wrong. The only spreadsheet that correctly analyzes your real estate deals taking into account reserves, true cash flow, including depreciation, and your true net equity on a property is the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet from the Real Estate Financial Planner. Download a free copy today and finally start analyzing your rental properties correctly. Go to refp.info forward slash free to download it today. I mean, that actually raises um, a, a good question here and something that I haven't considered. A lot of realtors like myself give the gift at the time of settlement or just around the settlement. And that's often kind of the end of the story. There may be some minor follow-up, but what you're suggesting is actually take your gift-giving budget and, and stretch it out over the course of at least a year. And as you say, that that makes a ton of sense to kind of use it to continue the relationship down the line. Is that the timeline you use or, or how do you space out the gifts? What are some good strategies for when you give the gifts to the clients? When is basically anytime they're least expecting it. So not December and then mm -hmm. basically any other random day. So like Today, April 6th, will be a really random day to get a gift. So you could do that. And then, so like pick random days during the year when people aren't expecting gifts. And when it shows up with a handwritten note from you, uh, personalized to them, it's like, wow, this is really cool. Like the middle of July would be another random time or I don't know, October 14th, something, some obscure date that no one's expecting it. That's the best time. And then use those um, and then split it out. So it depends on the, the commission size too. Like if it's a million dollar client, like, and it's a, usually like a $20,000 commission. It's like, all right, maybe we you know, stretch this out. Maybe make these gifts higher quality, higher quality, whatever else you can do. I mean, maybe make it two years, three years, but I, I try to stay and then do client parties too. Like, I mean, I do all that stuff just to keep in touch with people. I, I just, it's just, you just want to make sure that you're staying top of mind. And that, and that's actually what I, I'm actually starting. And this is one of my new projects that I'm doing is I'm a, I'm actually starting a new group on how to do this and not charging for it at all. So for realtors who are doing that, we can at the end when we give our videos and stuff or information, I'll tell people how to get into that, get into that group. Are you starting a Facebook group? Is that what you have here? Or is it like yeah. a mastermind course? It's it's basically what I'm going to be doing. So a little insight into how I am. So I have over the course of my career, uh, I have spent probably around like a hundred thousand dollars over the course of my career 
in like coaching and stuff like that. And I cannot stand the prices of some of these coaches. And it like, I don't know how many times I've been told to pay $5,000 plus for a coaching program, get no service afterwards, and then have no money left over to actually use the coaching knowledge I have on the database I want to use it on. And that really pisses me off. Like, I like it boils my blood, man. It's like losing to the Dallas Cowboys. It's the worst feeling ever. So oh, like, I, I, I could tell you, yeah, that's terrible. I'm yeah. a Giants fan and a Patriots fan, but a Giants fan by wow. heart. And we hate the Cowboys. Yeah, everybody is. They should. They, yeah. They're a terrible team. So, so anyway, to bring it back, I can't, I, it drives me insane. So basically what I'm doing is I'm building a, uh, a beta program here where um, people who are in a service-based industry, like attorneys, accountants, realtors, insurance people, uh, all those kind of jobs, basically could join my beta program and for free. And then if it, and then if they want to become members long-term, I'm just going to charge a low monthly fee. I'm talking like less than a hundred bucks, maybe less than, maybe less than 50 bucks, honestly, because I want to be able to get more professionals in this kind of mindset and allow them to one, get the material, the knowledge, and then have money left over to use that on their business, not paying me a ridiculous fee where they're broke afterwards and then they have no service afterwards and basically treat them the way I treat my clients, these these new members. So that's the whole goal here. That's the newest project I'm working on. Yeah. I think people need coaching with this because you know my guess is people give the bottle of champagne and that's it, or they give nothing and they think nothing down the line, three, six, 12 months into it. It sounds as though you probably have a CRM system or something that maybe gives you cues or indications that it's time to send a gift to Rory Gill or to Jason Muth or something, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I actually have all kinds of different. I have like multiple CRMs, one's for client contact and others for gifting contact. And it's all kinds of different stuff. And that's actually stuff that's going to be in that that course is like putting all of my resources out there. Like, this is how you do this systematically so you don't have to think about it. Because honestly, I have 250 clients. I don't have time to remember all their birthdays. I don't have time to write 250 notes a day or and they, I have like two or three birthdays every day. I don't have time to write them. So I have to be responsible and not forget them and put that birthday together. And then I, just to add another contact in, I also do half birthdays. So there's that too. So there's another 250 contacts I got to do. So it's just like, if you don't have a system for this stuff, if you really do care about your database, you'll put a system in place to make sure they aren't forgotten. Mm-hmm. Now, do people tend to expect gifts from you? And then when they stop coming, is it a bummer? Uh, no, because I space them out. Like I usually don't, I don't do more than four gifts a year for a client because I don't want it one. I don't want it to demean the meaning of the gift where it's just like, Hey, I'm just giving you another gift, another gift, another gift. I want it to just be like more of a, a bigger impact gift once or one to four times a year. And they're just like, wow, these are just so cool. And like, because they're the method I call it, I call it attacking the kitchen because everything I get people are usually in the kitchen. So that they use it frequently, they spend the most time there, and they're usually storyboard pieces too, where like people are like, "Wow, that's a really cool cutting board. Things huge. Who made that for you? Where did you get it? Oh, my realtor gave me it. Oh, what about the ice cream scooper? My realtor gave me that. This nice pair of scissors, these knives, these the pizza cutters. Everything that they use, everything they touch in their kitchen, they're always thinking of me. So that's yeah. why it's like there's just subconsciously being reminded me, like, my God, my realtor first in my kitchen. <laughs> It's a bit of a different way to think about promo items. And, you know, I've received many promo items over the years, you know, both swag at conferences and gifts. Where are they? That. Well, at my last, so Rory knows some of my favorite promo items that I do okay. use all the time and they are branded Yeti mugs. 
Okay. And I love them. I mean, I there was a digital vendor that I worked with in my old job where they sent me a couple of these Yeti mugs. I didn't realize I was supposed to distribute them to my team. So I kept them all because I'm like, oh my oh God, my look at all these great Yeti mugs. But I, I passed a couple <laughs> out once I once I realized my error there. Yeah. Um, and that that same company sent me a, a really cool like North Face backpack or something, which I use to this day. And I think I nice. use it because they if their logo was more branded on it, I wouldn't use it, but their logo is embroidered in black along with the the black backpack. So it's mm. not really you know, subtle. prominent. Yeah, it's very subtle. And you know, I, I think those are both great promo items because when they showed up, and they were, I think, Christmas gifts, but when they showed up, they were very usable. I mean, those had direct utility to like what I want to do in my life every day. Like I want a cup of coffee in the morning and want it to stay warm for a long period of time, not like yes. 10 minutes in this round of mug. So, yes. you know, I do think those are okay. And I'm okay with them putting their logo on it. In fact, I had a um, one of the credit unions that I closed with, I think actually it's for the loan that, uh, for the property I'm sitting in right now. They sent me branded Yeti mugs as well. And I don't mind. I'm proud to show their logo off when I'm drinking out of the Yeti mug because, hey, I had a great experience. With yeah. That. Yeah. And that's good. Uh, most people aren't like that. I have mortgage people who have thrown themselves like mind, body, and soul at me with just nothing but like, you know, there's Wells Fargo and cross-country mortgage and everybody, any lender you think of, I've gotten swag out the wazoo as a realtor just thrown at me. And it's just like, I don't have anything in here anymore. I just had to throw it all out because it's just, and they are, one, I don't drink coffee. So unlike you, Jason, I I have no purpose for Yeti mugs other than maybe like a beer. Mm -hmm. Um, But outside of, but I mean, Yeti's a good, that's the other thing. Yeti's a great product. Mm -hmm. So like that's, even with the brand on it, it's like, you know, you can still make that work. It's a really nice product, regardless of what's on it. So I'm just saying it really, all of those, those six rules I gave you guys earlier, what makes a great gift? Those are like 90 to 95% of the time. Like that's not always the case. Like once in a while it is okay to give food or once in a while it's okay to give a special bourbon or whatever. Like, I mean, it's very situational and this is where emotional intelligence comes in. And it's like, you just got to know. And like, well, like I was talking, I was, I was actually with, I went out to lunch with a lender of mine today and he showed me that his one friend is a bourbon extraordinaire of some kind. He has $300,000 worth of bourbon in his house. He has a secret room in his home behind a bookcase that opens up into this big bourbon room. And I'm like, whoa. So like, that's like the coolest thing. Now, obviously bourbon would be a fantastic gift if you're prepared to spend $4,000 on a bottle of bourbon for this guy, because obviously it wouldn't be a good gift anywhere else. And that's tough if he's branded as the bourbon guy with $300,000 worth of bourbon. Your inclination is to give something bourbon related, but he probably has it already, right? He might. He might. So then then maybe what you don't, what you do is it might be, you know, not the bourbon itself, maybe something that you consume it with. So like, I know like that John, John Rowland who wrote Giftology, like I told you, like he has um, a couple of wine connoisseurs in his database and he, what he would do is he would spend like two to $300 on a wine bottle opener engraved with the the person's name on it and stuff like that and get them this really cool thing. And he said that apparently a lot of his clients, when they would travel, they use that wine bottle opener because it's with their name and it's high quality. It's expensive. And it's, that's the tool they use to go through despite the fact that they're a wine connoisseur, they they've got all the wine they need, but that's the tool they use. So like, you know, that's a way to, it's a tangible item. They use often, they see it often. It's personalized to them, high quality. Like these are, he's hitting all the boxes. Yeah. 
You know, before we get to the final couple of questions, I have a question about experiences because, you know, the last place I worked, uh, we were big on experiences, uh, giving out uh, concert tickets, sporting event tickets. We had a box at the TD Garden, at, you know, mm-hmm. Gillette Stadium. And people love that stuff. I mean, like you're in a sports town also. Philly's a huge sports town, just like Boston. It's the is. sports town. Well, we could have, we could, we, we could have that. We can get into this right now. <laughs> that, 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 that's a whole separate podcast. Talk about tickets for things and talk about events. Cause you did allude to it earlier about having a client appreciation event earlier. What do you do? Do you, cause when you're doing tickets for an event, oftentimes you're accompanying the person that you're bringing to the event, just so you can get a little bit of FaceTime with them. And, mm-hmm. you know, but then you're bringing yourself into that conversation, whereas a lot of the items that you have in a kitchen, they're subtly thinking about you, but you're not standing there cutting cheese and opening wine with them when they're doing it. So t- talk a bit about events and how that kind of factors into what you're thinking. Yeah. For me, I, I don't usually take one person out to an event. So like when I had a client party one time, I took them to the Phillies. We got a, I got a box seat or uh, not a box seat, a box a full box for like 40 people. And they got the whole special treatment. I took 40 of my best clients out and I got FaceTime with 40 people at one time rather rather than go one time with one person and spend that money and spend that time. And it's not because I don't love that one person. It's just, I, I'm trying to be as efficient with my time as I can. Um, I'm also trying to get as much FaceTime as I can so I can get FaceTime with 40 people at one time and have a good time with them and then give them something afterwards for them to remember versus you know, just going out with one person one time and making one impression because no offense to the Phillies or to that person is the next morning when they wake up, they're probably not going to be thinking about it. Oh, whatever. It's just a Phillies game. I mean, there's a hundred and whatever, 180 of those a year. So it's like, you know, well, I don't know how many games are in the MLB. I don't follow well, it. Much, well, there's, but. well, there's 162, and it's 162. You're optimistic, but you're optimistic thinking they're going to make the playoffs. That's why yeah. you're adding on there. Oh, I mean, we, we were in the world series. I don't remember if you, where were you guys? <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when the Red Sox are in the World Series, people from Boston kind of tune out. They're like, oh, it's not, not the Red Sox. Yeah, right. So basically, uh, we're, we're 160 games. Like a Phillies game is just like whatever. Like, you know, they, they wake or same with the Sixers. Like they play 80 some games a year. And it's like, oh, it was like the Sixers game last night. Okay, cool. Whatever. But like they wake up the next day and like they're on to their next thing. They're not going to they're not going to like rant and rave about this one Phillies game or this one Sixers game or Flyers game or even the Eagles games like for the next month they're just like like that's it unless it's like this prolific like the only thing like for me i've been to a ton of eagles games and when they won against the vikings in the nfc championship before they won the super bowl against the uh patriots i think it was <laughs> and it was like you like that dig by the way <laughs> so basically uh that nfc championship game was phenomenal and i'll never forget that so like that's a different type of event like maybe like but then again it is still one impression you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's it's just like you gotta um it's a fine line to walk there and it's very situational. So like my thing is if you really absolutely have to try to bring as many people as you can to get as much FaceTime as you can, and then make sure there's a gift to go with it uh, afterwards so that there's, you know, something that it's not that you basically quote unquote, go home with them. You know what I mean? Like, don't just like leave it at the event and then they forget about you the next morning when they wake up and go to work or whatever the situation is. Yeah. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alex Brayshaw. Join me as I celebrate the positive impact of business and what drives the people behind it. It's a chance to hear from business leaders, emerging sectors and industry influencers about their unfinished business in just 25 minutes. Was that the Nick Foles? That was the Nick Foles. 
Yeah. Once, once yeah. you said that, you lost me afterward. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, Rory, any final thoughts before we get to our final three questions that we ask of all of our guests? No, I just had one thought here, and that is if somebody is listening and they kind of embrace this message and they want to jump into it, is there a way to tastefully use thoughtful gift giving to reactivate some older leads? I mean, if you started with good habits with a new client that you have today, you can obviously implement this going forward. But is there a tasteful way to kind of reactivate more stale people in your network? Yeah. So I've actually did this. What I used to do was I would hold my, I would actually create some accountability. And what I would do is I would send an email or a text or a call or a video text, however you do it. Just be like, hey, look, as a past client of mine and someone who I really appreciate for trusting me with your home sale or home purchase, whatever it was, uh, I wanted to let you know that I do sincerely appreciate your business and your trust in the past. So going forward over the next 12 months or a year, I'm going to be reaching out to you, uh, giving you a certain gift or whatever. I'm not going to tell you when they are, but you got some surprises coming this year, courtesy of your real estate agent. Looking forward to uh, having some fun this year. And that way they like expect it. And when these things start showing up, it's not like, what the hell is this? Like, what is this out of the blue crap? It's more like uh, the responses I got was like, oh, you know what? I didn't, you know, he said he was going to do this and here he is doing it. And it was, it, it was more received that way. It was more open and people weren't like, what's he what's he doing? Like it's, it wasn't, nobody had an idea. Cause I explained it to them like, Hey, I got some surprises coming your way this year. So be ready for them. Uh, thanks again for your trust in your business. And, you know, by the way, uh, if you have a family member or friend moving, please don't keep me a secret. You know, that's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it is so much easier to retain clients than it is to get new ones. So, yes. you know, such, such great advice that you've been giving, um, you know, not just appreciation, but uh, gift giving and being thoughtful toward others. Uh, and it's genuine too. You know, it doesn't, everything mm-hmm. you've said doesn't come across as swarmy. It comes across as, you know, I was thinking of you. Yeah. So Steve, why don't we get to our final three questions? We ask these of all of our guests on the podcast, just to wrap things up and get to know you a little bit better. Okay. The first of these, if you can get on stage for half an hour and talk about any subject in the world with zero preparation, what would that be? Probably this, this appreciation stuff. I'd probably go right into talking about the three anchors of appreciation and, and how they really screw people up. Not the Eagles, huh? No, I don't want to talk about the Eagles either. <laughs> I don't even Freaking losing the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, come on. Like, they weren't going to win that game. You really thought they were? Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes, I was. I'm heartbroken. <laughs> you pat my home running down the field on one leg. <laughs> who, like, who saw that coming? The rest of the country, but no, you know, no. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jaded then. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Second question. Tell us something that happened early in your life or career that impacts the way that you're working today. Early in my career, I was exposed to, like I was mentioned before, John Rulon a couple of times, and I exposed to his book, and that was mind-blowing. The giftology was awesome. And I consider my on my Mount Rushmore of mentors, the four people that are on there, John Rulon is one of them. One of the others is Brian Buffini, and he is a real estate teacher and coach as well. And I basically have built my career basically mixing the two of those together. And I built because Brian Buffini does like Popeyes and stuff like that. But those things very often are one impression type things like, you know, giving like a bag here, a bag there. And it's just like, I don't want, and it's also not really time efficient, like to go down and pop by the 250 clients of mine is not great, Um, which it's great to get the FaceTime, but I don't have that, that kind of time, especially with two kids under three years old and two Bernie's mountain dogs. It's just like impossible to get out and do anything at, at this point. <laughs> so I, I like the John Rulon approach there where it's like, give the gift and leave the impression to stay there. And, you know, the Buffini real estate processes, like basically just mixing those two together is basically where I got it. 
the, and being exposed to those guys basically in the first six months of my career was like phenomenal. Yeah. Cause I was just like, wow, thank God I met them so early. Rory, do you know that book? Gift is it giftology? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I've read that book. It's a phenomenal book. Right. Yes. Um, final question we have for you. I mean, that might be your answer for this one, but it is uh, tell us something that you're watching or reading or listening to these days. I don't watch a whole lot of TV. I'll be honest with you. So I do like the Mandalorian though. <laughs> so reading, not really reading anything at the moment. I do a lot of podcast listening though. So, cause I, yeah. I, so I like fall asleep during reading and I really, and I, I really, I don't, I just do audiobooks and podcasts, honestly. So yeah. I think, um, yeah, stuff like that. Do you regulate TV time with the kids? Uh, we do. We only let them watch TV on Friday when they're home from daycare. And, uh, and then the only time outside of that, like on our weekends, is if we actually go out to eat, like if we're going out to a restaurant and my two and a half year old is like, he's just unplugged. So like, yeah. I have to like anchor him down with a cell phone for like an yeah. hour and it's fine because outside of that, then it's like, all right, we got two Bernie's now dogs, go ride the dogs around. They're big enough. They can handle you. Like put a saddle on them and run around or something, you know, build these blocks or whatever. But I, yeah, I, I do want them to grow up like you know, being able to make eye contact and shake hands and engage with humanity versus, yeah. you know, being stuck in a phone. I won't comment about how much TV time we allow our daughter, but that's fine. Um, I'm not going to judge you. I, I'm, I do. <laughs> your daughter, your daughter is probably older than my kids. You probably have more four, experience. No, she's four. She'll be four. She'll be four next month. And, and oh, you okay. know, the first, the first year was a pandemic basically. So well, that's a first totally year, different year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you don't we, get to go anywhere in that. <laughs> no, we re, we relied on Coco Melon a lot like during that first year, but yeah, she watches a good amount of TV, but she's at daycare all day and she's not exposed to TV during the day. And Rory, I think she's pretty well socialized, right? Like she's doing well with chatting with friends and hanging out. She's not, she's not shy of people. So I'm not not concerned with that. Yeah. But yeah, but you, you, you definitely would judge us if you saw how much TV she watched. I'm not a judge really. Everybody's got their own way of doing this thing. And parenthood is, there's no perfect art. There's just, what was that? Cesar Milan said, there's not a perfect way to raise a dog. There's what I do is just a way to do it. And I think that's what parenthood is too. It's just not a perfect way to do it. There's just many different ways to do it. Yes. Yes. We need a parent whisperer, just like Caesar. (laughs) Human whisperer. Human whisperer. (laughs) Um, So, so Steve, tell, we're going to put all the stuff in the show notes where people could find you, but what's the easiest way to get a hold of you if people have more questions? Uh, The best way is just to reach out and uh, send me an email. I do check that the most and it's the easiest way to get in touch with me. And I do pay attention to it. And I try to respond to every email, believe it or not. Um, Even the ones that are spammy. I would say uh, that you could just send me an email at steve at appreciationadvocate.com. Um, and that's that's the basically it. And if anybody does want to jump into that beta that I'm starting, you know, opt in. And it's free. And, it's, and you get everyone, to do this kind of stuff. Everyone loves free. Everyone loves gifts. Everyone loves – people love swag too. It's amazing how much people take free stuff off of tables at things. You know, imagine yes. that being actually good swag. Yes. Uh, Rory, where can people find you? Um, you can find me either at my brokerage, Next Home Title Town, that's nexthometitletown.com, or my law practice, Urban Village Legal, urbanvillagelegal.com. All right. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you can give us a five-star review. Uh, you don't have to send us gifts, but that will be your gift to us. Uh, or you can give us a comment, or you can shoot me a message, or if you want to be on the podcast, email me, jason, at nexthometitletown.com, and we will try to get you scheduled. So, Steve... Mahogany, just like mahogany, right? Yes. Um, 
It's been a pleasure talking to you. The Appreciation Advocate is your website, your business, wishing you much success throughout uh, the greater Philadelphia area in your professional world, not necessarily in the sporting world, but you know, that's uh, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> okay, we'll get there one day. <laughs> we'll get there one day. Steve, thank you so much for being here. This has been a really enlightening conversation about a topic that seems so basic which is gift giving and being thoughtful toward others and being thoughtful toward your clients. And we definitely have not dug into this uh, in the past on the Real Estate Law Podcast. So, you know, you are our foremost expert on uh, appreciation and gift giving, and we'll have to have you back in the future. Yeah, happy to be back, man. You guys were a blast to talk to and a lot of fun to uh, shoot the you-know-what with. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'll end on that compliment. So thanks, Steve. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Steve. This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Title Town, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts real estate council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.